I've been following him for days. And I know he is here. I can see the signs. Sick people have been healed. Hungry people have been fed. The people in this town aren't so angry anymore. There is peace in the streets. And there is peace in their hearts. Because they encountered him. Because he is here. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, on an off-site campus or on the internet or maybe one of the venues here at Long Point. We're glad that you guys are along also. And uh, first thing I'd like to do is just celebrate some brand new life-giving churches that are being planted today. As you guys know, church planting is a part of what we do. And uh, uh, this morning, there are uh, four brand new churches that are being planted, uh, one in Conroe, um, Texas Life Church there, Bridgepoint Church in Wiley, Texas, uh, the Edge Church in Nightdale, North Carolina, and Shore Life Church in Jensen Beach, Florida. And uh, so they're all uh, getting brand new churches. If you ever wonder, and people ask me every once in a while, you know, is there a good church or do you know of a church in such and such city? You can go to our website, arcchurches.com. We've got almost 500 of them now uh, that, that we planted. And uh, uh, you can kind of see it there. Also, uh, today, Josh Surratt, Josh Walters are in Switzerland at Metropolis Church, and uh, they'll be speaking there in just a few hours, and uh, so you might want to remember them. Uh, I'd, I'd like us to pray together. Can we pray together for the churches that are starting? Lord, I thank you for just the awesome privilege to share the good news, uh, not just here, uh, but uh, across America, around the world. And God, we, we lift up those uh, four churches that are starting today. God, I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in those cities, that people would come to know you, uh, lives would be transformed, God, that there'd be a great start uh, to uh, a lifelong relationship with you. And uh, we also pray for Metropolis Church, God. We're excited for uh, what's going on there with uh, Tim and Rebecca and the crew. And God, we pray for just a mighty anointing today. God, we also remember uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith today. Uh, God, I, I think about the 21 Christians uh, from Egypt uh, that were killed recently. And uh, we just pray for their families. Uh, we pray for uh, justice from your point of view. And uh, God, we pray that you're, just we pray for peace, God, uh, around, our, around our nation. We, we pray for wisdom in our leaders and their responses to what's going on. And uh, we just give it to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let me ask you this. Have you, ever, have you ever been caught in a storm, like a real, like a real storm, like a soaking, cold, wet storm? Obviously, I have a story on that. So a few years ago, uh, a couple of our small groups and some leaders from our church, this was several years ago now, went to the Nantahala River. You ever been there? And we went rafting, and uh, oh, we had a blast. We just had a blast right up until the point that the storm hit. And, uh, you know, we had guides and all this, and it was pretty high, so the water was running pretty good. And, um, and, so, and so some dark clouds came all of a sudden, and then the wind started. 
They told us later that the winds were as much as 60 miles an hour, if you can imagine that. Just a huge storm. Lightning, it got, it, it quit being fun right away, and then it got, got scary. And uh, we were at a part of the river where you couldn't really get out of the river, and so we kind of went over to the side of the river, did the best that we could. And my brother was uh, left, um, uh, he was in a little raft, and he was across the water. And we said, Jeff, come on, come on, come on. And so he got his raft over here, and just as he got away from the shore over there, lightning hit a big tree, and boom, it went down right where he was at. So just very, very frightening. Now, at this point in the story, I couldn't remember what all else happened, and so I asked Debbie uh, yesterday, I said, you know, I, I remember being the hero of that story, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and she said, not so much, not so much at all, you know, and we ended up, we ended up, finally we found a place where we could get out on the ground, and and we got underneath the rafts. We were cold and shivering. And she said, you were crying like a little sissy underneath the raft, you know. And, and she didn't need to say that. But uh, anyway, it, it can be frightening. A storm can just really, uh, can, can rattle your world. Now, uh, your storm may not have been weather-related. Have You know, you can have a relational storm that just, boom, it's like this. And, uh, you know, words are said. All kinds of things happen. Uh, you have a financial storm. Rogue winds threaten to capsize your boat. You can have a physical storm when suddenly your future uh, looks different. Well, we're in a series that we're calling Marked, and uh, it's the book of Mark. We're going through. We're not doing verse by verse. That would take a long time this time. But what we're doing is we're taking, we're taking little uh, vignettes out of Mark. In fact, that's what Mark was. Mark was kind of a travelogue with Jesus. It's kind of, we call it Instagrams with Jesus, you know. Uh, it's, it's the story of Jesus through Peter's eyes as written by John Mark. And uh, he doesn't always do it in order. Sometimes he just categorizes it in activity. And that's kind of what we're going to do because I'm speaking next week. And we're going to jump clear to Mark chapter 13 next week. And Mark chapter 13 is an end times chapter where Jesus talks about the end times. What I'd like to do is I'd like to do something that I probably haven't done in years and years and years. And we're going to talk about that because people are asking me, are we in the end times? How does the whole ISIS thing, is it found in the Bible? What about America? Where is our role? And so we'll take a look at what Jesus says next week about the end times and kind of look at that. So you may want to be a part. If you know somebody that's really interested in that, you may want to ask them to come along next week. But this week, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about a storm that's found in Mark chapter 4 and verses 35 uh, through 41, and it describes a sudden storm. It's like that one that we had in North Carolina, a stud, sudden storm that comes and the disciples are afraid for their life. And let's take a look at what we can learn uh, from it today. I, I'm, I'm going to read it, and you just kind of follow along if you would. It says, that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. You ever read that and wondered what that means? I think he had been to a Billy Graham crusade, just as I am. And he was just, <laughs> some of you are old enough to know what that's about. Or else you're Baptist, you know. I mean, that's, that's part of the deal. But uh, just as he was, I, here's what I picture in that. Jesus has been teaching, you know, thousands of people, and they're, they're around him all the time. He's exhausted. Don't be messing with a preacher after a Sunday service, okay? I know here I did a, a funeral yesterday and service last night. We'll do three of them this morning. 
And uh, I don't want to talk to you today. I really don't. I, you know, in fact, I don't want to talk to anybody. My, my wife said to me, could you just do two out of the three today? We'd like you to be around a little bit this afternoon. I just go home, I crash, and then if I wake up, I watch a violent movie. You know, that's just the kind of mood. <laughs> just the kind of mood I'm in. And so I, I get what Jesus is doing here. You know, he's just taught and taught and taught. And he says, we're going across that lake, okay? And, and so the disciple says, you just chill. Just as you are, you just chill. We'll, we'll, we'll handle it. And so uh, there were other boats that said with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. He's sleeping on a pillow in the stern of the boat. I understand that. I mean, when you're, when you're in that kind of a mood, you'll sleep through anything. And Jesus is in the stern, squall going on, great storm. He's on his pillow, which represents peace. Peace in the storm. Let's go on. Let's take a look. It says, uh, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know, and he got up and he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind drown, uh, died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They've just seen him feed like 5,000 people. Well, more than that, that's just the men. Out of two loaves, and, or two fishes and five loaves. I've seen miracles, and so he was testing their faith. He said, why, why, why are you afraid? You, don't you have faith in what I can do? They were terrified, they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let me give you three or four things that we know about storms. You may be going through one right now. And uh, you'll, uh, last night somebody said that message was for me. Several people did because they're in the middle of a storm. Or you may not be going through a storm. I've got bad news for you. The first thing I know about storms is that they're inevitable. They're inevitable. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We all experience storms. We all go through them. We live in South Carolina. It's going to rain. There will be an occasional hurricane. Doesn't matter whether you are good or whether you are bad, you're going to go through storms. If you were looking for a church that has a theology that says, if you have enough faith, you won't have to go through storms, this is not the right church. In fact, if you do find that church, it's not the right church, okay? Because that that's not the truth. We all go through storms. They're inevitable. Here's the second thing, is that they're sometimes sudden. Sometimes sudden. You know, some storms are predictable. Would you agree with that? Especially, you know, with hurricanes. I remember when we uh, first moved to South Carolina, the year after we were here, Hurricane Hugo came. And it wasn't unexpected. I mean, they were watching that thing for days. They had emptied Lowe's, you know, and all the grocery stores and all that kind of thing. And we watched it. And then pretty soon, it was several, several hours that they were telling you, it is coming to Charleston. There's some kind of thing going on in the atmosphere that's just drawn us. We knew it. Now, what did I do? I'd never been in a hurricane before. So I asked people, I said, what do you do in a hurricane? They said, you go to higher ground. So I went to North Charleston. <laughs> what a mistake that was. Next time one comes, I'm in Kansas. You know, I'll be praying, I'll be praying for you guys from a long ways away. 
The, the, the building that we were in was just demolished, just torn apart. I, we thought we were going to die. I can remember the eye of the hurricane. It, the, some of you who were here, it was huge. It was 45 minutes. And during the eye of the hurricane, we went outside and tried to, you know, fix up the building where we, where we were at. Now, I wouldn't give anything for having been in the eye of a hurricane, but I will never do it again. Never, ever. Some storms are predictable. And in our lives... Sometimes a relational storm is predictable. You've ignored all kinds of warning signs, you know, about this person. A lot of times it's somebody that you want to date or marry or whatever, and you've got wise friends that tell you, I'm not sure. You've ignored all of that. And I've seen situations where I've thought, you know what, there's a storm coming there. That's a predictable storm. Or it might be, you know, how you handle your resources or, you know, what you put in your body. You can say, there's a predictable storm coming. But oftentimes, storms are sudden. You can be doing the right thing. You can be in the, you know, as, as, as best as you know how. You can be serving God, serving people. And suddenly, a storm comes. That's what happened with the disciples. Suddenly, they were, uh, they were on this lake um, that's called the Sea of Galilee, and it's almost 700 feet below sea level, if you can imagine that. And so it's like this bowl. And because of that, winds can come. And when they do, they just pick up speed coming over the hills. And suddenly, suddenly there was a, there was a, there, there was a storm. There was a rogue wind. You know, in your life, one minute everything's fine. The next minute, you can get soaked. I got a phone call just uh, a few days ago from one of my best friends. I mean, we've, we've been friends since about fourth grade, you know. And uh, he called me and, and uh, said that uh, his wife was feeling a pain. They went to the doctor, and, and she's got stage 4 cancer. And suddenly it changes their lives. It's just a, a sudden, sudden storm. Um, one phone call, one doctor's appointment, one financial downdraft. Storms are inevitable. They're sudden. Let me give you a third thing they are. They can be frightening. They can be frightening. The disciples literally feared for their lives. You know, imagine Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel is in their boat. This storm's a bad one. You know, you better get out of the way, whatever. They're scared, you know. They're, 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 they're afraid. And in the midst of a frightening storm, you'll be tempted to do what they did, and that's to doubt God. Jesus, do you even care? And when you're in a sudden storm that you couldn't have seen coming and, and it's frightening, you'll be tempted to go, God, do you even care and where are you? Just a normal part of the process. There's a fourth thing I know about storms is that they're temporary. They're temporary. God will quieten your storm just like he quieted that storm. Because no storm lasts forever. If you're in a storm right now, you may wonder if it's ever going to end. Is this, are, are we ever going to get out of this? Is it ever going to end? No storm lasts forever. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Notice what he says, light, momentary, and achieving. Okay, Of course, for him, light, uh, if you looked at his, his storms, like he'd been beaten up several times, left for dead twice. You know, problems, everywhere. he calls those light. Okay, He's got a good attitude. Uh, he says momentary. In other words, they don't last a long time. In his case, it was the end of his life, you know, because and, and, he had an eternal perspective on storms. He believed that he would live a whole lot longer on the other side of the lifeline, eternity line, 
than he would on this line, and that helps going through storms. But it was temporary. And then it was achieving, he said, uh, uh, an overarching purpose. And that's the fifth thing. Your storms have a purpose. Your storms have a purpose. Jesus led them into this storm on purpose. I mean, here's God. And he goes, we're going over there. Surely he knows that over there, there's going to be a storm. So apparently there was a purpose uh, in the storm, and the purpose was to build their faith. And when Jesus works in it, then they are amazed by Jesus. You know, sometimes God will lead us into a storm. Sometimes you'll do all the right planning, and you find yourself in a storm. And it's in those times we sometimes go, did I really hear God? You know, is this really where I should be? And oftentimes it is, right in the middle of the storm, because God's going to build your faith, and you're going to come out of that amazed at Jesus. Now, the amazing thing about this storm is that Jesus is sleeping. He's asleep in the storm. He's on a pillow. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for the rest of this message, uh, how to sleep through a storm. Um, And I'm going to assume something that you're not Jesus. Okay, is that okay? And so you're probably not going to be able to sleep through a storm. But let's take the pillow or the cushion that Jesus had, symbolic of peace. How can you have peace in the middle of the storm that you're going through or maybe one that's coming on the horizon? Let me give you three ideas. Number one, make sure God's in your boat. Make sure God's in your boat. Now, a positive attitude will get you through small storms, but you're going to need Jesus for the big ones, okay? You need God in your boat. Why was Jesus able to sleep? Because he knew that his father was in the boat with him, and he knew that his father was working for his good. I love Romans chapter 8. In fact, let's read it out loud together. It's the next verse on your outline sheet. And it says this. Let's read it here and in the campuses. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's break that down. We know. We know. We don't hope. We don't think. We're not pretty sure. He says, we know. this is something you can take to the bank. Here's a fact, Paul says. We know. We need to know this. You go through storms. You need to know this, not just think it. You need to know. Know what? We know that in all things, in all storms, God is at work for the good. You know, it may be, it may be a sudden storm that just came up. It's a testing time. Well, God's at work in that storm. It may be a storm of your own doings. It's like earlier we said, you know, sometimes you can see a storm coming. Somebody makes a bad choice or they don't listen to wise counsel. They go into a storm. God is at work in that storm. Because sometimes we're afraid to pray or we feel like we deserve, you know, um, whatever it is that's, that maybe is negative going on because of something that we did. And there are consequences to sin, but God is at work. It doesn't say in just the, you know, when you're really doing good and being good. In every situation, God is at work. God is at work when you're in a storm that's somebody else's storm. Have you ever had that happen? You just happen to be with somebody that maybe made some poor choices and there's a storm going on. God is at work in that storm doing what? We know that God is at work in all things. God works for 
the good. God is working for the good when you go to sleep. God is working for the good when you can't go to sleep. God is working for your good when you get up in the morning. God is working for your good when you're driving on the way to work. God is working for your good while you're at work. God is working for your good while you're not even thinking about it. We know that in all things, God is at work for your good. I just want you to think about that. The God of the universe, while we're sitting here right now, is at work for your good. When God's in your boat, you can sleep through a storm. Now here's the verse, or the part of the verse that's a little bit more challenging. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called. And here's what that says. God's not in everybody's boat. We'd like to think that. We'd like to think that, you know, that uh, it's a wonderful life and God's in everybody's boat. Now, God's trying to get in your boat if he's not in it, but God is not at work in your boat unless you love him or called according to his purpose. Doesn't mean you're perfect at all. There's no, none of us that are. But what it means that is that I have decided that I'm going to respond to God's call and I'm going to be a part of his family. That's why at the end of every service, for 27 years, we make some kind of an opportunity for you to go, yes, God, I want to respond to you. I want to be a part of your family because, it, because if, if you're not, he's not in your boat. It says that it's, it's just those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, that ought to be sobering, but there's not a reason that you can't have God in your boat. He's trying to get in all the time. In fact, for some of you who are here today, who are, you, you, honestly, you couldn't label yourself as a Christ follower. The reason you're here is because God set circumstances and opportunities in your life to draw you into this place long enough so that you'd be quiet for a little while. No television, no social media. Well, some of you are on social media right now, but, but you know, relatively quiet so that you could hear him say, I love you. And I want to be at work in your boat. I want to. And you just need to respond to me. Okay? So, so if, you, if, you, if, you want, if you want to sleep through a storm, don't leave without settling that. First, make sure God's in your boat. Because if he's not, you're in your boat on your own. And that's a scary place to be. Here's the second thing. Plan ahead so that you'll be ready for the storm. Plan ahead so that you'll be ready for the storm. If the storms are inevitable, is there really such thing as an unexpected storm? I mean, just think about that. You know, maybe, maybe the one that you're in is kind of unexpected, but they are inevitable. Storms are going to come. It rains on the just and the unjust. Maybe the timing was a surprise. Maybe the intensity is a surprise. But storms are coming. That's life. The best time to prepare for a storm is before it comes. If you wait till last minute on a hurricane here in South Carolina, you're going to sit in long lines. You're going to go to Lowe's, they aren't going to have what you want. And, and, and if they do, probably the prices will be higher, supply and demand. The best time to work on your marriage is before the storm. How many of you know that? That's why we have marriage conferences, you know. That, that, that's why we encourage you to be in a couple's group. Because the best time to work on the storm is before the storm. The best time to prepare is, is before the storm. best time to work on your finances is before the storm. You know, 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And, uh, and, 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 and we have no emergency fund. 
You say, well, I don't have enough money. I, you know, God can increase your resources. But I can remember when Debbie and I, <laughs> I remember when I was listening to the radio one day and they had the national poverty statistics and I came home and I told Deb, hey, we're below the poverty line. I thought that was a good thing. And it wasn't. And I can remember when we went to budgeting with envelopes, you know, and $2 in an emergency fund. And $4 in an emergency fund. And building it up and building, regardless of where you are, don't use an excuse that I don't have enough. Prepare before the storm. Okay, that's the best time to prepare. I heard a story about uh, a farmer who needed a, a farmhand. Uh, he just had too much to do, and so he put an ad in the paper, farmhand needed. And so this guy shows up for an interview. He's well-built, strong-looking guy. And the farmer says, uh, what qualifications do you have to be a farmhand? He said, I can sleep through a storm. The guy said, really? So what other qualifications do you have? He said, I can sleep through a storm. The farmer thought, this guy's crazy. So he says to him, he says, you know what? I'm going to interview some other people, but you check back next week and see if the job's still available and maybe, maybe we'll give you another interview. And so uh, the, the following Saturday, the guy shows up again because he knows the job hasn't been taken because the sign's still up that helps one. And so he comes in, and sure enough, the farmer hadn't hired anybody else. Nobody had come in. And so he said, okay, let me interview you one more time. What qualifies you to work on my farm? And he said, I can sleep for, through a storm. <laughs> Farmer's thinking, this guy's crazy. I don't have too many opportunities or other choices. He looks like he could do some work. So he hires him. And sure enough, he's a great worker. Just a fantastic worker. He does really well. Well, one, one day, late in the afternoon, a farmer saw some clouds far off. And sure enough, uh, late that night while he was sleeping, the thunder and lightning started. And, uh, and he thought, uh, I need to get my worker up and we need to go. We need to put, make sure that the doors are closed in the barn, put the uh, livestock away, make sure the tractor's you know, uh, covered and all of this kind of thing so that the storm doesn't affect us. And so he goes and he knocks on his door. Guy won't wake up. So now he's really mad. He goes out in the, he's getting soaked out in the rainstorm. He's thinking, I've got a worker that, you know, he's half crazy anyway, and he won't get up when I need him to get up. He said, I'm going to fire him tomorrow morning. And so he gets to the barn, and the doors are closed. The animals are in. The tractor's covered. All the stuff is done. Farmer comes back, dries off, gets back in bed, and finally realizes what this guy meant when he said, I can sleep through a storm. In other words, he did his work so well that he was prepared for the storm when the storm came. When I heard that story, I thought of Jesus. Jesus is asleep in the storm. Why? Because he prepared well. He had prepared his relationship with the Father. He knew that his Father was for him, not against him. He knew that his Father was at work in the storm. He knew that he was able to supply and do whatever uh, needed uh, to, to, to be done. So the question is, how are you preparing for your next storm? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's probably another one coming. How are you preparing? What are you doing? Jesus tells another story about uh, three little pigs. Actually, that wasn't Jesus, and it only had two guys in the story, but they got it from Jesus. You remember the story? Remember the story? Two guys that were building a house. 
and uh, one built on sand and the other one built on a rock and then the bad wolf came, or actually it was just a storm. It huffed and puffed and blew the deal down and the one that had, I'm telling you, that's where they got the story. Okay, read your Bible. And so, and so, and so the one guy's house lasted because it was built on a foundation. So how do you build your foundation? I would say that you spend time with God. That's one of the reasons I'm so, I push you all the time, all the time, all the time. Let's have a gospel challenge. Let's read through the book of Mark. Man, when you are putting his word in your life, you're building a foundation uh, so that you can sleep uh, through a storm. Uh, Claim the promises in in God's word. Uh, Build your community before the storm comes. You know, one of the values that we have at Seacoast is that uh, we want to be a church that grows larger and smaller at the same time. Small groups are so very, very important. I can't tell you how many times through the years I've gotten a call, and it's my privilege to serve during storms. It really is. Don't ever think that, you know, that, uh, that we are too busy for your storm because we're not. It's my privilege. But I can't tell you how many times that, that I've come to a hospital or, or, or come to a house or a, a place of business, wherever the storm happened to have happened, and I'm about the 10th person there. I remember one time coming to the hospital and small group leaders seeing me come and saying, what are you doing here? So well, I'm the pastor. So well, I, I got my job taken care of. We're, we're cool. You know, I said, okay, I'm going back to bed. You know. But when you've got, listen, the time to prepare is before the storm and to prepare your community so that when you do go through a storm that, uh, that you'll be able to have peace uh, in the storm. So I can have peace because God's in my boat. I can have peace because I'm a prayer, a prepared ahead of time. Let me give you one more. If the storm does wake you up, if you can't sleep during the storm, be sure that while you're awake, you're focusing on the truth. Okay? This is what trips most people up. Anxi- anxiety and adrenaline is what keeps you awake. And they feed off of each other. You know, you're you, you're anxious, you're worried, what's going to happen? And you think the worst, you know. And then that let, lifts the anxiety level. And you can't sleep. And then you feed the, or the adrenaline level, rather. And then you feed the anxiety and adrenaline, and they feed off of one another. What's keeping you awake right now? People ask me that every once in a while in interviews. What's keeping you awake? And I'm going, nothing, uh, really, and, Pretty peaceful, actually. <laughs> I told my wife that we were out with somebody last night, and uh, and I I was talking to him about something. I said, you know, that kept me awake, thinking about something. And Debbie said, really, seriously? I heard snoring. All, I said, well, it kept me awake till nine thirty. Okay, till nine thirty, it kept me awake, and then I slept. <laughs> now, if you're not sleeping, what's keeping you awake? I, I can predict what's keeping you awake. You're rehearsing all that could go wrong in the storm. And you're probably thinking worst case scenarios. What are some common things that we think about that produce fear, anxiety, and worry? This is never going to end. This is terrible. I mean, we're going to lose it all. I'll never recover from this. I'll never be happy again. It's like a snowball. I mean, it's, it grows and rolls. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and until finally, you know, you're totally anxious. Now, you can't choose your storm or the fact that you're in one because they're inevitable and they're unpredictable sometimes, but you can choose your thoughts. And first, or Philippians 4 and chapter 8 gives us 
what to think about in the storm. When you're awake at night, you're in the storm, you're worrying about your kids, you're worrying about business, you're worrying about your body, whatever it happens to be. When you're in the storm, here's what you think about. Let's read it out loud, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, okay? So it gives us a real clear pattern. And so what you can do is you can go, okay, let me measure what I'm thinking about against God's word because this is a peace verse. In fact, right around this verse it says, uh, he prays that the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts. And the way you guard your heart is with what you think. And so you're thinking, this is never going to end. Is that true? No, so I shouldn't be thinking that. Instead, I'll replace it with the truth. This will end, okay? I'm all alone right now. Is that the truth? No, God's in your boat. And he is at work for your good. Which is a better thing to think in order to have peace? I'm all alone or God's in my boat and he's at work for good. Okay, that's the truth. Uh, this is terrible. Well, it's probably not good, but it's not the worst thing that could happen. Okay, and even if it is the worst, think about this. If it is the worst, what's the worst that could happen to a Christian? They could die, which is actually the best. I did a funeral yesterday for a, 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 just a lovely lady who's one of the first members of our church. And, and while we will miss her, wow, she's, she, she, that's why the Bible says um, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because this is all we see, and this is not all that there, there is, okay? So our thoughts won't alter the storm, but they can alter how we experience the storm. So what's the truth I should focus on? First of all, God is with me. In the storm, focus on God is with me. How have you liked the 23rd Psalm? Anybody like the 23rd Psalm? I love it. Have you ever read, do you know what a chronological Bible is? Anybody know? Just raise your hand. Know what a chronological? Okay, a few, few of us. Let me explain it because I, I didn't know what it was. You know, you've got the Bible. You've got Genesis, Exodus. What's the next one? I knew it. Leviticus. What else? Numbers and then Deuteronomy. Okay. Did you know that's not the order they were written in? In fact, one time I got a chronological Bible which, which gives all the verses in the order the date, like as far as we know, when they were written. And I did one of these one-year Bible programs, started out in January, all excited about January. You know what the first book ever written in the Bible was? Job. What a bummer way to start a year. <laughs> so I was reading through my chronological Bible, and I love the 23rd Psalm. Do you know when the 23rd Psalm was written? After the 22nd Psalm. Well, maybe not. Uh, you know, nice try, though. Is that what they teach you at the Citadel? Okay, so, so the, <laughs> got close to home there. Some of you are going, don't be, don't be rocking the Citadel now, okay? I love the Citadel. So, so let's read it, and then I'll tell you where, 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 when it was written. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You know when that was written? He's a 15-year-old kid, and he's going down into the valley to fight with Goliath, the giant. And the whole army of Israel is afraid. They're on one side. The Philistines are on another side. David finally volunteers. He's got to be a little bit afraid, to be honest with you. But here's what he says. He says, even if I go down into the valley of death, you are with me. Now, here's what I learned as I was looking at that, is this, is that God was with him all the time. God is with us all the time. We made that point. God's in your boat. He's at work for you. But the real sense of God's presence is only as we acknowledge that. You know, you can be in a dark place, feel all alone, and when you say, God, you are with me in this moment, then it becomes real that God is with you even though he's already been with you. Does that make sense? And that's what David is saying. He's saying, even if I walk into the valley of the shadow of death, even if this storm is just like a huge one, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. What's the worst that could happen? Let me give you a scenario. Let's suppose on January 1st, 2015, worst day of your life, worst day, you, uh, you're fired from your job. Um, you have a pain in your tooth and you find out that you need an emergency root canal. That's a bad day anyway. You get to the dentist and they run out of anesthesia halfway through. <laughs> Are we getting bad? And so you get in your car and you go to leave and you have an accident and you total your car. That's a bad day. The car that you, to- or that you hit was your spouse's car. And, um, and your best friend is in the car with your spouse, and that's how you find out they've been carrying on an affair. <laughs> how we doing? We doing okay? <laughs> this is a bad day. It's a bad day. But every other day of that year is incredible. In fact, you get a new job that really uses your abilities at a major raise. Uh, you go to Chip Judd for counseling. And your marriage comes back together, and it's so good that you have a child that year, and your spouse insists that it be named after you. Great, great deal. Um, You have a a rich uncle you never knew you had. Dies and leaves you $40 million. How's that? That's not bad. Later that year, the Broncos win the Super Bowl. The Cubs (laughs) win the World Series, and the Gamecocks are NCAA champions. What an amazing, amazing year. And And so listen to me. Follow track with me. January 1st, 2016, somebody asks you, how was your year? You go, amazing, absolutely amazing. You go through and they say, well, I heard you had a really bad first day. You go, oh yeah, I did. I almost forgot that because the rest of the year was so great. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of heaven. Because here's what could happen. Without denying the pain, I mean, there are some people that are in a constant storm. I, I have friends that are in physical pain every day of their life. And some of the pain is degenerative so that today is probably going to be better than tomorrow. You follow what I'm saying? Theoretically, you could be in pain 72 years of your life in a constant storm. Jesus is in your boat. 
He's walking with you. You die and go to heaven. On day 5,632,289,063, somebody comes up to you and says, how has your existence been so far? And you go, oh, my goodness. It's been absolutely unbelievable. And they say, well, I heard you had a rough start, rough 72 years. You go, let me think about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. But it pales in comparison with what my existence has been. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You can't even imagine what God has prepared for you. See, Jesus was in touch with an eternal perspective. If your truth is limited to natural laws and the here and now, there will be some storms that you won't get through well. But you've got a great life ahead of you. And here's some good news as I close. If the storm scares you and you're awake and you're worried about it, the good news is you can still turn to Jesus. In fact, that's what the disciples did. They turned to Jesus and they said, Jesus. Now he scolded them a little bit, but he dealt with the storm. I love Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need that today. Some of us just need supernatural hope. We need supernatural peace. And and, and the Bible says that's what God does. That's his responsibility. He will fill you with that. He will give you his hope so that you overflow with hope. What's your responsibility? Just trust him. Just trust him. And I want, I want to invite you to do that right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm, and it's scary. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you, invite you just to trust God. Maybe to put into practice some of the principles we talked about, or maybe you're just at the end of your rope, and let's ask God to do a miracle. Or maybe you know somebody, one of your kids, somebody that's in a storm. Let's just use this time to pray. Father, I thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for the fact that you love us and that You've provided everything that we need for life. God, some of us are in a storm right now. We just need you. We need your peace, the, the hope that you give that we're, we can walk in this place in anxiety and walk out with hope and it doesn't make sense. I pray that you would perform that miracle today among us. Pray that your kingdom would come your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.